<laughs> I don't really love The best part is all this is recorded. So I'm going to just have like the opening music will be the sound of <laughs> you just going, ha, 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 do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, hi, Sarah. Hi. How's, How's it going? Good. I've got my coffee here. How's it going with you? Pretty good. We just had a nice little little walk. A little jaunt. And you were telling me a story, and I want you to just tell that story again. It was oh. so good. Well, um, remember last time we were talking about how hard it is to read and to stay focused on any one thing Yeah. Um, during all of this. And I decided that I'm going to start reading again and just read in little chunks um, and... I so I picked up the heart aroused, which we talked about last time, again, and um, it was so by David White. By David White, yes, yes the famed poet. I don't of know if he's famed, but he's definitely he should be famed. He should be famed. Yes, I think he's famed. What does it take? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think that in this era, anyone has the ability to be famed as long as you have like one person paying attention to you. Well, yeah. Oh man, that famous poem. That's what that reminds me of. I wish that I had it memorized, but it was, it starts with the river is famous to the fish. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that poem. Anyway, look it up. But I, um, I was reading the heart aroused and today it was about, um, the personality um, and the and the soul. I mean, the whole book's kind of about that. But the personality is the part of us that as hard-won wisdom, we've been through a lot. We know the steps that we need to take to achieve our goals. It's extremely goal-oriented. And, um, the personality is. Yeah, the personality is. Um, and, you know, it's concerned with... Our, ourselves and our identity and who we are in the world and what we uh, appear, how we appear to others. It's less about who we are on the inside and more about who we are on the outside. Security. Security. Yeah, definitely. Getting our, our needs met. Um, and the soul is um, more ephemeral. It's harder to describe. It kind of... Um, rejoices in deep feelings and in things being, um, unknown. And it's a part of a lot of us that we kind of bury and hide, you know, as we become adults, but it's like the childlike part that just, um, follows whatever it wants to do and doesn't really understand rules or care much for them. Um, isn't worried about impressing anyone. Right. Exactly. They're just our, our souls are our souls, um, and they are who we are um, at our core. So he talks about how with our personalities, we can strive for years at a project that um, we just are barely making a dent in, and, um, and it just feels like, you know, pushing that boulder up a hill. Um, and then the souls have this quality of sometimes just coming in and in an instant, just knowing what the right thing is and knowing exactly what to do. I feel like I have this experience with you a lot of times, like for example, in naming this podcast, like my, my sort of process oriented side, it just goes and writes like 200 
possible names in a notebook and they're all terrible. And then I talk to you for five minutes and you're like, oh, what about this? (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) Not that like I'm the personality and you're the soul, but in that situation, it's like you're kind of above all of that, looking at it all. And then it's all coming together. And just in a moment, you just... Well, because I wasn't no. deep into trying to force out a name, right? Right, right I mean, that's, exactly. That's the thing, right? It's, the person, the personality is like kind of heavy, right? It's like holding on tightly to the outcome, and the soul is like light. It sort of dances on top of things, and it's just like, what about this? Well, of course, you were. I mean, just to come right back at you in terms of who's the soul, <laughs> the uh, you know, I felt that naming the. Um, you know, the, the exercise series that you're, uh, sharing, uh, for, um, leaders making decisions and creating space, um, that journaling exercise, uh, naming it, gather the courage was just, I thought that was when you told me that I was just totally that, that was so, it was so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, naming is so, it was funny cause we were, we've been talking about naming. We, we have been. About, there's an effort that we're, uh, working on and we were talking about names and the process of naming and, yeah. um, you know, it's a very soul thing. It, like, yeah, it really yeah, is. When you come upon the right name for something, it just feels right. It just clicks. Yeah. It's true is how it's I always true. feel like it's yes. like, oh, that's, that's, it's, it's like, I, I just remember, you know, both of my kids in, uh, you know, when they were, re- when they were first, first born, you know, of course we yeah. have, we have five together. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> my two that I was, that I was there for when they were born, uh, yeah. you know, the, the names that, uh, we had in mind for them, like they, it, it, I couldn't think of them as being anything but those people. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just yeah, to it's think and same. to think of them today as any other name, it just seems totally absurd. Totally wrong. Yeah. But yeah, naming is definitely a good example of that whole process. Um, but you were telling a story. Oh, yes. Well, there's this Gaelic myth, and I am probably going to mispronounce the name, but um, it's called uh, Fionn and the Salmon of Wisdom. Have you? Yeah. I have heard of it because you just told me, <laughs> and I was asking you to retell it. But yes, I have. <laughs> well, no. And prior like, to it, I did read the Have book. you heard the name Fionn? <laughs> no, no, like, no. am I saying it's terrible? Right. No. Like, have you heard of this story that, that you I just, just told you about? Told me, and that is in the book that. No, I'm just self conscious of, <laughs> of calling him the wrong thing. But anyway, Fionn. Let's is go this, with it. I mean, okay. that's. Yeah. Fionn. Fionn. Yeah. He is a young prince. And his father has been murdered by the um, their rival kingdoms. A lot of princes and murders and yeah. like myths and stories. Yeah. I mean, they never call him a prince, but his father was a king. So oh, okay. Right. I'm yeah. Well, there's a lot of kings and murders. Yeah. Yeah. So his father, the king, was murdered by longtime rival. Longtime rival, first time caller, first time <laughs> <Yeah>. killer. <laughs> first time killer. <laughs> yeah. So he goes into hiding and stays with his uh, mother's sisters and they kind of raise him up. And the, the point in the myth that is relevant of staying with his mother's sisters is this, um, that uh, first of all, that your parents can't teach you ultimately what you need to know because they often have the same blindness that you have, that you've inherited. And also that 
being taken care of. The reason there are two sisters is that one is um, the nurturing of, of a woman and the other is her fierceness that basically um, only only a woman can teach you um, both how to take care of the soul and how to protect it, be fiercely protective of it. Um, so anyway, Fionn lives his life, a lot of things happen, but, um, eventually he comes upon in the woods, he's walking around and he's just enamored by the woods. Cause he's this young sort of like poetic man. Um, he represents the soul by the way. And he comes upon this seer in the woods and the seer has spent probably his whole seeing career trying to find this uh, salmon of wisdom that he had been, he'd gotten this prophecy somehow, however seers do it, that Fion, um, Mail order. Yeah. <laughs> Fion would, uh, that the person who would eat of the salmon of wisdom would be named Fion. And uh, uh, I mean, I've known that my whole life. Yeah. The person that's going to eat the same amount of wisdom, they're probably a their own. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it yeah. just feels true. Right. <laughs> Naming is important. Yeah. But the funny thing about this name is that the seer's name is also Fionn. So his whole life, he spent going after the salmon of wisdom. And the thing about this, this particular salmon is in order to eat of it and to get all of this wisdom, you have to cook it perfectly. And so the fire has to be stoked to exactly the right temperature and it has to be maintained at that temperature. And the salmon has to be put on a spit over the fire and rotated at this very particular pace. And so, um, Fion the seer is sitting there on a log, I guess, like roasting the salmon. And he's just like, so intense about it. He's, he's the personality in this, uh, this myth and he's but he realizes oh my gosh like I was so excited about finally catching this salmon and roasting it perfectly that I didn't collect enough twigs to maintain the fire underneath it I mean we've all done that right maintaining the fire of the personality oh, that's sorry. really was, hard for the, the personality twig collecting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah we've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing <laughs> um <laughs> uh so anyway uh Fionn the lad comes in to the scene, meets this seer. And the seer's like, oh, this guy can help me. So uh, he tells the lad, please, um, would you just turn this? Just at this exact pace, I'm going to go collect some twigs. Just don't eat it at all. Don't eat it. And um, Sofian's like, cool, I can help you. So he sits on the log and he starts to turn it. But like, he being representative of the soul is just like so enamored of the woods. It's a beautiful day. The wind is blowing perfectly that he just kind of gets lost in his thoughts and in the, the moment. And he starts to turn the fish slower and slower. And then he realizes it and he's like, Oh my gosh, like, uh, I hope that the, I hope I haven't ruined this, this salmon. And he notices there's like a big blister on it. And he's like, uh, what am I going to do? So he starts like, he blows on it. He just like starts to sort of rub it, see if it'll go away. Tries, tries to roast it faster and faster to see if it maybe it'll um, even out. 
but it doesn't. So finally, he just takes his finger over and tries to smooth it out and it pops and the juices from the salmon run out of it. And he just instinctively brings his finger to his, his mouth and, and he, he has eaten the salmon of wisdom at that point. Uh, so the seer, Fionn the seer, comes back and he's like, uh, so how did it go? And this this youth says, um, well, he gives no him problem. an answer. Hmm? Yeah. Oh, no, oh, he doesn't. Oh, yeah. oh, he, doesn't say, he doesn't tell him. He, he does tell him. Oh, he tells him. He does tell him. But he tells him in such a wise way that the seer knows that he has eaten of the salmon. And, um, but the seer also knows that this oracle or whatever prophecy was, is always going to be true. It is not ever going to be false. Like this kid can't ruin the prophecy. Um, and so he, instead of being defensive, like, why did you, he, he relaxes into it and is just like, oh, well, you were meant to eat the salmon all along. And then come to find out they're both named Fionn. So the Fionn who was eating the salmon was, was, who was supposed to eat the salmon was the kid and not the seer, even though the seer had worked his whole life to get there. And the thing um, that David White talks about in this story is that often we have spent our lives preparing for a particular thing or a particular goal that we're trying to reach. And it is so hard, whether it's we're going after something in our career or we spend our lives building our career and we just kind of overlook all the hardship because the thing the personality is good at is thinking about the future and saying, well, I can deal with this. And, um, because I know something better is coming. And, um, but often the way that we get to where we're actually supposed to be, the, the personality doesn't get to eat of that fish. It's usually, it happens in, in a moment when our souls are kind of released to, um, and, and we, we have an opportunity and it just comes suddenly, it comes quickly and it comes easily and suddenly we're there. Um, but the point wasn't that, you know, we should abandon the parts of ourselves that try to plan because the only reason that we were in the right place at the right time for the soul to kind of swoop in and, and take the fish is because of the work that the personality did. Right. And it's more about integrating those two things rather than, um, picking one, picking one. Yeah. And just, um, but yeah, it made me think a lot about the time that we're in right mm -hmm. now. And, um, that, the world is kind of, we've talked about this before. It feels like it's just been like a snow globe. It's just been shaken up and everything is kind of jumbled and chaotic and out of place. And, um, that anything, I mean, as hard as it is and as awful for a lot of people, um, and we've had to make hard decisions this past week. And I think a lot of people, are making decisions just to survive, like how they're going to survive. Um, even with that, there's some kind of uh, opportunity there for us to create something new out mm -hmm. of it. And that there's enormous possibility when life is on its head because you're no longer trying to hold everything together because it's already well and one of the things you were talking about i mean i, I read the book <clears throat> i don't know a year or two ago um but one of the things that you were talking about um in 
uh, in that book uh, is the contrast between the soul and the personality as far as uh, encountering encountering, uh, crisis and turmoil and loss. Oh, yes. Yes. Where it's like the personality is just trying to avoid loss, avoid um, turmoil and... um, the the soul it's kind of like a kid making a mud pie like they've secretly been orchestrating this forever <laughs> like some part of our souls actually are enriched by hardship and as much as the personality experiences extreme pain and fear and panic um some other part of ourselves when we hit the bottom kind of like uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say likes it, but it flourishes within that and um, is like, okay, well, the rules are changed. Maybe there aren't any rules. Maybe I can just be myself. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think obviously in this context, you know, the the things we're talking about are really on a higher level, Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah, um, for sure. But Which is why it's like, I'm careful right, right. in saying that. It's like, ah. Oh. But I think that's true for me. I mean, I have unquestionably a, a an immensely stable uh, platform beneath me that, you know, that no matter what happens, the farthest that I can fall is higher than some have ever yep. even dreamed of being. Yep. Um, but I know the feeling of freedom that comes from failure of recognizing right. this point of this, uh, this, this did not work out. This right. truly has, uh, come to an end or this has, uh, not gone at all the way that I wanted to. And, you know, that is a painful, painful thing, but it is also incredibly freeing. Um, and we've talked about that before of just that, that moment of like, well, (laughs) I mean, now you, you don't, you're, you're not tethered to anything, um, that you've you know committed to or said or whatever you you have the ability to wipe the slate clean and, and draw a whole new map. Um, in many ways. Uh, and, you know, the, um, I, I mean, I've seen many times, I'm sure many, uh, uh, many, uh, others have, uh, the, the line that, um, you know, you're not starting over, you're starting with experience and mm-hmm. what a difference it is, uh, you know, to, to begin again at something, knowing all of the things that, well, the last time I did this, I made these mistakes. Yeah. I experienced uh, this heartache and I get to do something, uh, different this time. Yeah. Uh, totally. you know, I get to figure out new ways to screw this all up, uh, right. new, and, new <laughs> and different and interesting. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and that also that, that feeling of like that experience pulls us back into the personality if we're not super careful to keep that balance because then we see opportunity and we we try to extract the opportunity from whatever it is that we're presented with and we try to do a good job and you know um so it's just it's always a cycle too of 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 between those things or maybe more like a dance between those modes of being but yeah. Well, one of the things that this kind of makes me think about that's not necessarily on like a um like an organizational or uh business or um 
uh, sort of sense is uh, in is just my own personal processing uh, around like accepting. Um, well, that's not the right way to put it. I'll I'll, I'll describe it. I'll describe it differently. Uh, one of the things that um, that I've been thinking a lot about lately is, uh, you know, we a week ago um, had kind of gotten to a point of just being exhausted by the just constant wave of incoming need and change and uh, urgency and. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I think most people are uh, still in that spot and we tried to uh, come up with some ways to um, really to uh, create some some structure that might allow us to have space that we needed. Right. To recover. And, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we did that. And I think we did, a, you know, a decent job of it as we talked about it, but it still was oh fairly overwhelming and not just the overwhelmingness of it, but the, I think the, uh, just the, the, the lostness of ourselves in the, in just the level of need and polling and, uh, you know, phone calls and messages and emails and decisions and decisions and decisions and decisions and decisions where it's like I I burned through my reserve of decision-making willpower by, you know, 10 a.m. every day. And then I'm just like stumbling through on inertia till midnight. Yeah. Um, And so one of the things that, you know, I was on Sunday night, we've, uh, you know, we, we very often the last, I, I feel like one of the things we've done really well that I'm grateful for, and I think has really saved us through this is we've done a good job of, uh, cordoning off weekends, yep. um, and, uh, really pulling back, disconnecting and, and just focusing on, um, you know, spending time with kids and just being, you know, just being present, um, yep. with each other and, really just enjoying the moment. And, um, uh, thankfully we've gotten to do a decent bit of animal crossing the last couple of yep. weekends. <laughs> that has been perfect timing. <laughs> but, uh, um, and that's made it a little bit even, even easier to do that because yep. we've had something to obsess about and be interested <laughs> in rather than, you know, our challenges and problems and stresses. Yep. But on Sunday night, uh, it really started to feel like the whole, wave of um the coming week was already crashing yeah, in. Yeah. And I was I getting really uh you know really spun up about that. And I was frustrated because I felt like, hey, we've done all this stuff and we've talked about, you know, an approach to really you know, have space and to feel a sense of stability and and truly sanity. Um, in the literal, uh, sense of the word. Um, and you know, here, here I am Sunday night, just in anticipation of the week, like in total free fall. I mean, I really, it was, it was not, not great. And, um, you know, I, I was really wrestling with that for a while and I actually had a pretty lengthy conversation, 
uh, with my uh, counselor about it that evening, um, which was extremely useful. And one of the things that was fascinating to me, now I'm, I am again, extremely lucky in that, um, you know, I have a counselor that I've built a really good relationship with over, I mean, now like, I don't know, five, six years. Um, and, uh, who's been a, a real asset to me in helping, um, you know, me make, helping me make a lot of decisions that have gotten me in a, in a much better place, um, and give me clarity and, um, and the, um, the, the thing that I was surprised by in that conversation was that I, you know, I was really stressed about where where I was at and this feeling of this incoming wave. And, and then as I'm talking to her, she was offering, well, Hey, you know, would it be useful for me to, you know, check in with you and see how you're doing with these things? Cause I'd set all these, you know, we, we sat down, wrote down and had this whole plan of how we were doing, how we were going to handle like kind of creating some boundaries on some things. And she's like, Oh, would it be helpful for me to check in? And I, and I realized in that moment that that offer, um, and I think that she was actually saying it because she knew that I would say no. Um, (laughs) and not just because I didn't want it. Remember to do it either. (laughs) (laughs) Like at least not on like, you know, four times a day. Yeah. Well, I don't think she's, I don't think she was offering four times a day, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, I think she was offering to do it, you know, at some point daily. But, um, but the, the thing that my initial reaction to that was like, no, no, that's not actually what I need. And I got to this place where I, I was like, "That what I really need is, I need to prioritize, like where my head is at and where I'm focused." And I came to this, you know, simple uh, realization uh, and and phrase that that helped me a lot, which is, you know, I've been focused on getting through and. Right. Um, what I really, and so I was trying to keep myself in a state that was able to get through, right? And uh, what I realized in this conversation is that, yeah, I can put these mechanisms in place that help me get through, that really kind of keep the wave at bay or that get, you know, whether it's you or my counselor or different mechanisms, you know, for me to check in and just go, Hey, where am I at? Hey, where am I at? Um, but what I need is not just to get through, but to, um, but to be entirely above it. And, um, that was the phrase, you know, not uh not through but above um that's so good uh that that hit me as that's where i need to focus and the reason that i need to focus is because there are so many um people who need me to be making uh wise decisions and other people who um you know need me to be present in the um in the conversations that I'm having with them and, uh, and that I need those things for myself. Um, and that if I'm in this, if I'm just in this constant sea and pull of inertia that, um, you know, of just the urgency of the moment, then, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be 
uh, able to be as useful as I could. It'll either I'll either be useful and it'll come at great great personal cost, um, or I'll be reactive uh, and it'll come at cost to others too. Right. Um, and uh, you know so. I think that that entire picture, I think that is the, you know, that is making sure to prioritize soul over personality of like, okay, I've got to take care of this part of me having the space to operate um, as the first priority and not just like a a restorative sort of thing. Right. Um, Well, the thing that I've always believed and that I've seen so often just in myself is that when I am operating from that place of lightness... I'm a lot of times doing similar things as the personality part of me would have done, right. but I'm doing it for a different reason and, um, and, and from a different place. And so it feels lighter. It doesn't feel so heavy. It feels like I'm being pulled toward this rather than that I'm pushing this thing in front of me. But I've totally seen how taking that perspective has affected you over the past. I mean, it's just been a couple of days so far this week, but, um, I've been super, um, impressed with how it just totally switched your, the whole frame of how you were working, um, and the ease with which you were doing things and just allowing, um, allowing a moment to be rather than pushing to get things done really quickly. Yeah, and I, I feel like the those two those two sides, that personality and soul, um, that so much of that is about flipping the order. It's right. about it is. It's about totally. deciding which one you're going to listen to and protect first. Right. Um, and it may, you know, it may frustrate others, or you know, others. Uh, may be held up in their plans or whatever. Um, and I may let some people down. Um, right. But ultimately, you know, I, I think that the soul, honoring the soul means accepting the limit, the true limitations uh, right. and constraints that I am bound by. Right. Um, and not trying to uh, press, you know, press beyond them for the sake of, um, a sense of obligation or commitment or responsibility. Um, Even though sometimes, I mean, those things will happen, right? right? Like this, like there were a couple days last week where I had to make some decisions that were extremely, extremely difficult. And I had to talk with a bunch of people and I had to communicate that to the team. And it's like, you know, in that situation, I probably could have been more above it than I was, but also it required all of me right. to, to be in that for a period of time. But the cost of it was so great. Like days afterward, I was just like completely useless. And, but you know, it was, I had enough for the time, but it, in talking about limits, like it really in that moment, I really felt like, yeah, that was, that was my limit. I I couldn't go any further, but I think when we're leading with that sole part of us, we have a lot more to bring in the parts when we do have to push through. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing that just to me, uh, you know, we, we hadn't, when we were talking last time, 
uh, been looking and talking about the um, uh, is it Fried- Friedman? Um, oh yeah, Edwin Friedman. Yeah. The, um, but I was but I was right ri- I was writing something at the same time, which oh, yeah. uh, you know I think got shared about the same time that that our first um, discussion did, but. Uh, the notion, can you talk a little bit about, um, the notion of the non-anxious presence? Yeah. Um, Well, in any, Friedman talks about how in any system. So this is, so Edwin Friedman is a rabbi researcher, um, and therapist who's, who's, yeah, he's basically kind of fleshed out Bowen's family systems theory. Right. Um, and kind of taken it into really practical senses and right. Both in families and in organizations and, um, so it's not just exclusive to family. It's any social system where people are interrelated to each other. Yeah. And I mean, as far as systems theory, if you're not familiar with it, this super basic, probably not at all correct but the gist of it is that we are um that every part of a system whether it's a family if you think about each of the family members we're all affected by the position of the other family members so we don't it we certainly have control over ourselves but we also have to look at the entire system to see um where those dynamics are. And if you change one part of the system, the rest of the system has to change in order to adapt and accommodate the part of the system that changed. Um, and so the best way to change any system is to, is to change yourself. And, uh, it isn't just a perspective, new perspective that you'll have, or that you'll be a better person. It's that you actually or that you'll be able to survive. Or that, right. Right. Those aren't, it, those things may happen, but the, the fact is everybody around you has to change when you change in order to adapt to you, especially people who are close to you, who are you're highly tethered to in some sort of functional system. And so within that, which is certainly true within work or teams or families. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so within that, he talks about the role of a non-anxious presence in changing system dynamics. And it's basically, a a person who can remain calm, who can remain really above, above it. Um, it's not that you're not emotional or that you don't have feelings or whatever, but that you can keep things in perspective and not react to what the people are around you are bringing you. Yeah. He talks a lot about the importance of self-regulation. Self-regulation. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of times like somebody brings us something, whether it's their fear, their pain, their accusation, whatever it is, and we react. It's like we're the, um, the eight ball in the pool table. Something hits us and we, we react to it. Um, but if we can learn to self-regulate rather than have the, go through the whole process of this thing is hitting us and we respond or react in this certain way to sort of diffuse the situation. Um, and that's how systems work by default. Everybody's sort of reacting to each other. But if you can remain non as non-reactive and self-regulating as possible, that actually um, reduces 
anxiety in the whole system. He talks about anxiety a lot because anxiety is a dynamic that creates toxicity, that creates um, all sorts of behavioral issues and... Um, well, and reactivity across the board. React, yeah. Right. Everybody becomes reactive. And so in order to uh, calm a reactive system, having one non-anxious presence... And, and the fact is, when you become that presence most likely it's going to get worse for you at first because people are going to react to that and they're not going to like it um, in a lot of cases before it actually starts to make things better. But um, I do have to say, you know, one of the things that I immediately think of every time I think about that non-anxious presence aspect is, you know, we're very, very lucky to have had um, my dad involved in uh, the business as a just um, as a advisor and um, really as our uh the, you know, managing He's the, incredible. the uh, finances and giving us, um, you know, a lot of good advice at different points. And there's at, at lots of times that we've gotten to uh, really chaotic points. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I remember one time, this is my, one of my favorite things Eric ever said. Um, he said, you know, I, I get this feeling that, uh, you know, that Mark is, just so steady in his responses to things that if I walked up to him and said, Hey, Mark, your hair's on fire. He'd say, okay, well, a couple options here. <laughs> he totally would. He totally would. I've always appreciated that about Mark. It's like, if you have an idea or something, he's, he's going to lay out both sides of it. He's going to research it. He's going to think, very deeply about it. And then he's going to say, you could do this or you could do this. This could be the way that this turns out. This could be the way that this turns out. These are the likelihood of all of these things. And it is so comforting to know that, um, he's just, he withholds judgment. He's just very calmly, um, kind of lays those things out. And to me, like I, I appreciate, um, like I'm a pretty emotional person. My, um, two girls are also <laughs> really emotional and we talk about that a lot about how well, like Nolan is too. Well, Nolan, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is true. He, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. They get that from me. Um, and there's a lot of value in that because we can feel things so deeply and feel things for other people really deeply. Um, and also it can be really hard to be that non-anxious presence and to bring that alongside, yeah. um, the emotional part of it. But I have a meeting that I have awkwardly ending <laughs> this podcast, Speaking on, I have a, a meeting, uh, like right now. Um, so anyway, yeah. Can I non-anxiously bring that into this conversation? <laughs> I think we just have to close end with our closing song and it'll okay. feel like we've concluded. Okay. What is our closing song? Oh, we'll just make it up. So I'll do the first verse. You do the second verse. Oh my gosh. Okay. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. We've enjoyed having you here. Please have a non-anxious <laughs> day and maybe have an extra beer. Hooray. So the second verse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Bye.